break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and some people say we're shy one host. I think we've got one too many. And it's you, Dean. Hey, we've got one too many. You can do it without me. Yeah. Go yeah. on. See you later. Off you go. <laughs> do you have a, and I'm Dean Jeffrey. <laughs> And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I scare better alive than dead, Hendo. Certainly not from experience. Well, how would you know? Exactly. How would you know? A hunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And today we're breaking down Sergio Leone's A Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes, we are. Which is part of a trilogy that I had no idea it was part of a trilogy. I think we did mention it when we did our breakdown of Once Upon a Time in America. I've read about the middle non-Once Upon a Time film, and I've still forgotten what it's called. It's called Duck, You Sucker. What? No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's called Duck, You Sucker. No, it's not. It is a Western, and the theme of of this Once Upon a Time trilogy is three historical periods which toughened America. Okay, that is the theme. There is no way the film is called Duck, You Sucker. No way. I would remember that. It's called something else. And I was right. It was called A Fistful of Dynamite from 1971. What is this duck, you sucker rubbish? Is this a joke, Hendo? Do you really think the great Sergio Leone is making a film called Duck, You Sucker? Yes, because it's also called A, fist, a Fistful of Dynamite. Well, I'll have you know, Sergio calls it A Fistful of Dynamite. <laughs> I just searched DocuSucker on IMDb. Top search. There it is. Click on it. It goes to A Fistful of Dynamite. <laughs> I think we're both right here, Dean. Yeah, one of us are. All right. Once Upon a Time in the West, the 1968 epic spaghetti Western film directed by Sergio Leone, who co-wrote it with Sergio Donati, based on a story by Dario Argento, Bernardo Bertolucci, and Sergio Leone. Very nice. It's about a mysterious stranger with a harmonica joins forces with a notorious desperado to protect a beautiful widow from a ruthless assassin working for the railroad. Wow, that is so succinct. Desperado. Stars Henry Fonda, cast against type. Yes, it does. Apparently, when he actually finally, you know, arrived in Italy, uh, he was wearing brown contact lenses and sporting a dirty mo. Yes, and Sergio Leone is like, no, get rid of the contacts. Shave. We want it to look like Henry Fonda. Yeah. We want it to be a shock that the villain is Henry Fonda. Yes. The ultimate good guy. Jury number seven. Eight? Eight? I think it's eight. Could be eight. We also have Charles Bronson as Harmonica, Jason Robards, Claudia Cardinale. Those are your big four. Those are the four people right there. Is Claudia a part of the big four? I know she's a main character, but... Did she go on to do anything? Don't ask questions I don't have answers to, all right? You're going to make me go and search shit up. I don't know, all right? Mate, if I didn't ask questions that you didn't know the answer to, I wouldn't ask any Why questions. Why don't you just look it up yourself sometimes? <laughs> I'm far too busy right now. The widescreen cinematography was done by Tonino Delicoli, who also did The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, as well as Life is Beautiful and Once Upon a Time in America. Very good. Hey, can I just stop down for a sec and talk about someone at work? I thought we were breaking down Once Upon a Time in the West. <laughs> I just want to say, there's someone at work that I speak to about movies, right? And he hasn't seen, like, a heap of movies, but he's really into movies. Do tell. Okay. He's also very stingy with his five-star ratings. I think he has five. Okay? So, he's not like he's given these out any 
willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. I got him to watch Once Upon a Time in America, and he came to me today and was like, dude, five stars. I was like, no way. He goes, the rape stuff's awkward. I said, I know. Oh, awkward? I said, I, I did warn him about it, and I actually told him about your um, issues with it, but he's like, no, nah, five stars. It's insane. I was like, that's so good. Good on him. Anyway, back to Once Upon a Time in the West, Hendo. The claimed film score was done by Ennio Morricone. It's a very good score. We have spoken about him several times before. He did win his only Oscar for The Hateful Eight. Yes. He also did the Man With No Name trilogy, or the Dollars trilogy, as well as The Thing, Cinema Paradiso, and Once Upon a Time in America. It is Cinema Paradiso. Yes. Very good. That's why we've spoken about him several times. I reckon. Yes. He also got an honorary Oscar for his magnificent and multifaceted contributions to the art of film music. He got that before he won his Oscar for Hateful Eight. Because no one thought he would work again. And he came back and did it. (laughs) I wonder how many honorary Oscar winners have won an Oscar after that. He got nominated five times prior to that, too, for Melina, Bugsy, The Untouchables, The Mission, and Days of Heaven. There is five noms. Yeah. So no, none of the classic spaghetti westerns. No. <laughs> wow. <gasps> yeah, the Oscars aren't too big on westerns in general. They really shun them. They're like horror movies. That is them. unforgivable. Forgiven. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Uh, I, could, I couldn't make the word work. So after directing The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Sergio Leone decided to retire from Westerns and desired to produce his films based on The Hoods, which eventually became Once Upon a Time in America. But Leone accepted an offer from Paramount Pictures, which provided access to Henry Fonda and to use the budget to produce another Western film. So that was the big key thing here. So you can get Henry Fonda to come in and play a role in your movie. Mm, big get. Almost as big as Jason Robards. I hear this Jason Robards <laughs> name all the time. <laughs> I know he's from Magnolia. Okay. Because I've heard you say Jason Robards Okay. Magnolia a lot. Do you know who he is in Magnolia? I'm assuming he's the old guy. Yes. <laughs> he's the old guy dying okay. who's banging Julianne Moore. Oh, sorry. Tom Cruise's dad. Yes. Okay. Man, i got to watch Magnolia again. So good. I actually started watching Inherent Vice last night. Ugh. Like the first three minutes and I'm like- Why? Because it's the only PTA film I haven't seen. So bad though. Yeah, but I want to- It's like, I'm a completionist. i got to knock this you film You watched off. three minutes. Yeah, I'm like- it's two and a half hours long. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm not doing this. What were you doing? I needed to watch something. I'm like, I'm not wasting my time here. I want to start watching a movie. I'm not going to spend the next hour just trolling through YouTube shit. Let's start a movie. So three minutes and then you trolled through YouTube? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Sergio Leone originally offered the role of harmonica to Clint Eastwood, but he turned it down as he was no longer interested in working for Leone. Didn't want to get typecast. Yes, this led to the breakdown in Eastwood's and, Le- and Leone's relationship, which was only resolved in 1988 when Eastwood was in Rome promoting Bird and got a call from Sergio Leone. They met for dinner, and a few months later, Sergio Leone died of a heart attack. So good to see them rekindle their little spat they had there. Yes, but not good that he died of a heart attack. Endo. Obviously. James Coburn was also approached for the role of harmonica, but he demanded too much money. Who's that? Do we know him? James Coburn sounds like, I think he was a big, big time star back in the 60s, even the 50s maybe. This is the only film I've seen of Charles Bronson. you got to know Charles Bronson from all the Death Wish films. Never heard of him. <laughs> <gasps> For some reason, I think you have. Uh. Yeah, but the role did go to Charles Bronson, who had previously turned down roles in the Dollars trilogy. He was actually going to play the Clint Eastwood role in The Fistful of Dollars, as well as the Lee Van Cleef role in For a Few Dollars More and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Turn them all down. Wow. He must have been big. Charles Bronson in this film is fucking incredible. I'm just going to throw that out there. You like him? He's so good in this film. Drini is actually playing the harmonica. It doesn't sound like it. No. No, it really doesn't. It'd be great if he was. Man, that harmonica. We'll get to that harmonica. So this has basically the same story 
like history story of Once Upon a Time in America here. The original version by Sergio Leone was 166 minutes, and when it was released on the 21st of December in 1968, the version was shown to European cinema, and it was a massive box office success. Yep. And then for the US release a couple months later, they edited it down to 145 minutes, and it was a financial flop. Okay. I feel like editing this down is not nearly as egregious as editing down Once Upon a Time yeah, in America. I mean, they, took, and they took Once Upon a Time in America from a four-hour film to a two-hour film. Yeah, and they also made it chronological where it wasn't, whereas yeah. this film is chronological. So, uh, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I don't think the editing is as to blame because there are definitely points in this film where it's like, yeah, we trim it up a little. Maybe. $5 million budget. In America, it grossed $5.3 million. I don't have the actual numbers for the worldwide, but they did apparently get nearly 15 million admissions in France. France. And 13 million admissions in in Germany. So just from those two alone. Yeah, I did read that it was the number one film of the year in France. Did you actually read that? Yeah, it's on the trivia. Okay, very good. Have you read the trivia? I'm reading it right now. So you don't even do prep. I at least memorize this stuff. What about this? In 2009, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. It's one of those films, Dean. My trivia was much better than yours, Hendo. Al Murlock, the guy who was one of the guys who played the three gunmen in oh, the opening sequence. Yeah, this is this is one of the craziest trivia. Committed suicide by jumping from his hotel window in full costume the next day. Yeah, like that, like the day of the shooting. Crazy. It's, it's insane. And they were taking him to hospital, and Sergio is like cab chasing here, going, I want the costume. Hey, I want the clothes. <laughs> Crazy. That $5 million budget, half of the film's budget was spent on the actor's salaries. So really, it was like a $2.5 million budget for all the other stuff, for the actual West. Pretty impressive. But let's take a look at the history of Once Upon a Time in the West in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted onto the very first list, 26th of April 1996 at number 65. By 1998, it had dropped down to 148. That was the lowest point it was ever at. It started its rise. It got to its highest rank ever at number 18 in mid-2008. Wow. And now it has gradually dropped down to number 49 with an 8.4 over 300,000 votes. Very high. 18. Yeah, but even 49 is very high. All these numbers are very high. Oh, man. And it's number 210. Well, 210, that's high. Groundhog Day wasn't very high. I mean, it's not in the 250 anymore. La La Land wasn't very high. I feel like you're talking about the films that have gone out of this list. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any others? Terminator. Okay. Wizard of Oz, I think, is out of the list. Damn. Eh. That may be the only four that we've done that are out of the list. It's a good trivia question. For who? <laughs> for me. Uh, live stream for the cure. <laughs> They're going to be like, what movies have you done? <laughs> well, I should have researched. <laughs> what is my current number six film? <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Let's get into Once Upon a Time in the West. Can I just say, now that we're actually into the film, yeah. First thing we see, right? A door slowly opening. Okay. Now, I think personally that this signals how slow this film will be moving forward. That's all I got. Our no. top 10 for this week. Is there no correlation here? Our top 10 for this week is top 10 opening scenes. We like to try and theme the top 10 based off the breakdown we're doing. This is true. This is not my excellent. This is also not my excellent Hendo. Which is crazy because before we started watching the movie, I sent you a message like, 
What should we do for the yes. top 10? Yes. I think you mentioned opening scenes. I did. I and said, I'm let's like, do opening scenes. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, this is this. I think this movie is touted as having this great opening scene. It has an iconic opening scene. Yeah, so, so it was probably going to end up being our favorite, our excellent scene of the movie because of this, this iconic shot that everyone knows about. Yeah, you were worried. He messages me back. We're like, oh, does that sort of give, you know, show our hand a bit too much for this thing? I was like, no. Who cares? It's also not my excellent. <laughs> it's not even my second excellent. Really, it is definitely my second excellent. Oh no 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 no! Not this. Not admittedly, not this intro here. But when it's actually the three guys at the station. Yeah. So this is a good scene. I I like what well, it's trying. Well, are to Are we show. talking about at the train station, just the three men, or this bit with the the old man? I think with the guys at the train station. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get through this old man first. So we get the three there. They're looking at this old man. They grab a woman. He tries to charge them. Yeah. Like, read the room, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? I couldn't believe when he's like, uh, 750. $750? That sounds like a lot as well. Like, I'm not sure what the uh, conversion rate is. For the 60s. The, like, obvious. It, are they in America? They are, aren't they? Yeah, they're definitely in America. Because they're in Monument Valley. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, yeah it would have been a lot. So, $7.50. That can't be right. Maybe it was like. Maybe he was trying to swindle them. I don't know. But no, off they go, and they're going to wait out the train. And obviously, this film has a lot of intense long shots, and it's really just showing tension. It's showing tension. Yes. Yes. Well said. It just this film. I, I, I honestly, I feel like I feel like the tension drops when you know what's happening. I didn't feel any of the tension here. Of what? Because I know what's coming. I know that this whole scene is them just sitting there waiting. Okay. So I'm just waiting for this stuff to happen too. Oh, okay. Well, you. You miss this scene then. You don't just watch this scene and just like waiting for Harmonica to show up. You watch this scene to get a sense of what you're going to see. Like this is one of the most authentic Westerns I've ever seen. Like you watch this and you're just like, oh, this is just the time. Like you can you oh, almost I'm- smell them. Like you're seeing this fly buzz around and I'm thinking... Man, oh, that I wonder- fly that lands on his lip yeah. and doesn't move? Yeah. It's like, is that a fake fly? No, nah, just- they rub jam on his face. It's crazy. I'm like, he's trying to blow it off his with his with his breath. Yeah. Like it's not moving. I'm like, ah, I feel for you, mate. Like, yes. Just get your hand on it and flick it off. Nah, and the the dripping of the, the water, which wasn't planned, but then they obviously yeah. rolled with it. Um, on this guy's hat, it's just drip. Drip, drip. And because there's no score as well, they took out mm. any Morricone's score here. So it's just so silent. You just hear the noises of this. this the creaking empty... windmill as well going on there. Yeah, the windmill. Yeah. Uh, it's oh, yeah. it's a it's a good scene, but it's 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 not my excellent. Like I think no, it's, it's fine. It's, we've already said that. You don't need to keep trying to shit on it. <laughs> it's it's not the best scene in the film, but no. that's not to take anything away from it. This is an incredible scene. You mentioned that, yeah. Like, I, I will say, you, I, no, 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 no. I will say, I will, no, 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 no. I will say, I wrote possible excellent. Like, this was, I watched this, I was like, damn, this will be tough to top. You mentioned authentic Western. I completely agree. Like, this grimy, like, this is the this is the spaghetti Western. Like, how, not, not the clean cut Western that you, you're used to. <laughs> What what clean cut Western am I non-spaghetti used to? Non spaghetti Western, not you, but just in general. You <laughs> a with your more. love for the quick and the dead. <laughs> <laughs> the movie that that sets the bar for all yes. westerns. <laughs> no, but like you said, like the way all the people are presented in this movie, from the towns to the personalities and the way they behave with each other, yeah, it's grimy, it's disgusting, and it's it's the way it is. And it's great. So the train arrives, yeah. right? 
And uh, the guy, you know, loads his gun, the doors open, and oh, they're pulling their guns. No, no, false alarm. I was like, oh, how good's that? Builds tension. Train leaves. I was like, holy shit, no one got out. That's right. I guess we're waiting another five minutes for another train, <laughs> and that's okay because I'm enjoying myself. But no, the dust settles, and there he is. No, the, the, that shot where the train disappears, and he and he's just standing there behind the train. Yep. Here he is, harmonica. Harmonica. <laughs> Yeah, music's really, really good. Oh, Morricone's score in this film is sensational. Mm. Love it. Better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Yes. Wow. Yes. Because you love The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yeah, this this one is better. Wow, that's a massive call. Absolutely. I'm not sure I agree with you. That's fine. And I don't like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly as much as you do. So that surprises me. Okay, so you think that this is better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, the score-wise. Is this better than Once Upon a Time in America, score-wise? Yes. That is the worst take. <laughs> that is the worst I take you will have all that. night. Is there, is there pan flutes in there? That's not what it does. <laughs> yeah, with little pan flutes going on there. That's not how it works. Fucking noodles. I slipped. (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny. He's dying. You get the good line that you referenced earlier about you bought too, too many. Charles Bronson is, he is so, he's suave, but he's gruff in this movie. He nails the lines he says here. Yes. He doesn't have many. But everyone counts. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, this guy, like, there's a lot of, it's a Sergio Leone Western. There's a lot of close-up zooms on people's eyes. And that. Charles Bronson staring at the camera. I felt uncomfortable. Really? Every time Sexually? they zoomed on him, staring through my soul. <laughs> I'm like, God, stop it. <laughs> he, this guy knows how to fucking stare at someone. Yeah, he's got a good stare. It's so good. Yeah. Interesting that uh, Harmonica gets shot here. No, I thought no. that was good. I was like, oh, good. And any other typical Western, he'd be like, bang, 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 and he's all good. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good that he actually bleeds. Yeah, it is. All right, let's get to scene number two, which is my... Excellent! This was my second. This is my number two scene. This is this is where I write possible excellent. I was ready to type in. Forget the last scene. Yeah. You want to talk about tension. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and what, there's so much build-up in this scene. So I love that we start this scene. You've got the father and they're shooting this bird with the shotgun, right? And they're setting up this 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 gunshot as, hey, the shot is shooting the bird. Yep. Right? And you hear it a couple times. It's like, bang, bird falls. Okay, cool. And then you've got the daughter come out who... I wasn't sure if that was his wife at first. Uh, yeah, I got confused. Uh, and I've Ma- seen this before and I got confused again. Yeah, Maureen. Uh, yeah, cutting the bread. Did you notice how she was cutting the bread? No. Oh, it was terrible. She's like sawing it towards her body. So like, what the fuck is she doing? Do better. Well, from like, bo- like behind it, like coming towards yeah, it. Yeah, it was. It was like top to yeah, bottom. Have a look at it. It's very odd. What the hell? Anyway, so they, we get this backstory about how... Oh, actually, this bit was weird. I want to ask you about this. So, Patrick here is one of the sons, and he's saying, uh, he says that his mum died years ago, and the the dad hits him. I mean, is this woman coming not his real mum? I never thought she was. Oh, I thought she was. Uh, I thought that she, this was another woman that he'd met, and she was coming to like live with him. Like he was, it was this was the new wife. Ah, new wife, you reckon? I, I thought so. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, she looked too young to have the daughter that age for that for the matter. I and mean, that daughter was at least what fifteen. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. That that woman is definitely in her twenties, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. 
But yeah, you got constant tension building. When the, when the when the birds stop flapping and it's silent, and they're all just looking at, and the fact that you're just looking into the open as well, so yeah. you're trying to look. Where, where's the? Is there someone with yeah. a gun? Let's, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to look yeah. for someone. Birds so fly away, Molly? and then you hear the gunshot. Just like it's nothing, yeah. Because we've heard it before, and then you see Maureen, and she's just standing there, and she drops, and then you get that like guttural scream from yep. the dad, Maureen. So good, and then he runs, he gets shot. Other things were like main characters. Yes, they're setting up the family. I, honestly, I did. I was like, who are these main characters? Here we go. Have you, have you seen this before? Once. Yeah, me too. Many many years yeah, ago. Yeah, me too. Uh, don't remember too much from the film. No, remember nothing except the first scene. But even then, I just remember yeah. it was long and at a train station. Uh, so I, and I, then and then the score kicks in, right? Yep. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, this is so good. And these men walk out of the scrub and you get this reveal, this slow reveal. Because like the, the, camera, the, son, the young son's still alive. Yeah, he's yeah. still alive. And the camera like swings around to show Henry Fonda's face and he smiles. And it's like, what are we going to do with this one, Frank? It's like, now that you've called me by my name. And it's fucking bang. Bang. Kills the kid in cold blood. Oh. So good. It just and it sets up the, the scene vicious, is incredible. Sets up the viciousness of Frank as well that he yeah. is just able to kill this young boy in cold in cold blood point blank. Yeah, I love the transition as well. Like the the the, the close up of the gun shoots and it sort of fades off with the smoke. It turns into the train as it's coming along. Mm. Very good transition there. I like that too because this is where Jill gets off the train. McBain, Jill McBain. I wish Frank. His last name was Mendoza. <laughs> but no, no one's at the station for her. Uh, and yeah, she uh, she has to catch a cab, basically. Catch a cab back in the old days. With this, like, just filthy, filthy driver. Yeah, I mean, they're all filthy. Yeah, but he, he's like... He's proper filthy. He seems pretty pretty filthy, yeah. So they head up to a bar, <laughs> and we get uh, Cheyenne, Jason Robards. Yes. Rocks up here. I thought he was the big bad of the film. Not at all. He's, he's like, the he's medium like, bad. He, he's like the Tuco of the movie. Yeah, this he's, is definitely, he's the bad. This is definitely a good, bad, ugly situation that they've got going on here. Yes. Yeah. But he's he's the middleman, like you said. And I, oh, man. I like the reveal of the oh. handcuffs where he like asks for a jug and he lifts his both his hands up yeah. with the cuffs. That was good. I love the reveal of harmonica here. When the harmonica plays, it turns around and the the the, the light, the lighting, where mm. he's sitting in the corner in the dark and you seem to sit in there playing the harmonica, the score kicks in again. And, and every time, every time that Charles Bronson just slightly tips his mm. head up and you just see just see his eyes come up from under his hat. Yeah, and you talk about the lighting and um, Cheyenne here just literally throws this light towards him that yeah. slides across to him. It's good. Get a little slight tiff here between Cheyenne and Harmonica here. They've, all, they've got a little tiff going throughout this whole thing, but it's it's never, it's, it's not massive. It's more playful. Yeah. Like, especially Cheyenne, like his lines to him are always very playful. Like, do you only know how to play or do you know how to shoot? Like, yeah, he ignores him. He just keeps playing. Yeah, I, I mean, you said that he was the medium bad guy in this film. Like he's, oh, he's he's not he's, oh, he's not a bad guy ultimately. I mean, he's he is a he's villainous in a way, but he's like he's definitely he's got layers to him. This yeah. guy, yeah. But not Cheyenne's crew arrive now. They're all wearing these dusters, which apparently became massively popular. What's a duster? A really long jacket. Oh, nice. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and yeah, our Monica basically says, uh, "You know, I was, I was, I went to a train station, and uh, inside the dusters there were three men. Inside the three men, there were three bullets." This the screenplay, the script for this film. It's really good. It's solid, isn't it? It's really good. Yeah, and even like Shane's response, he's like, "That's not possible because only my men wear them, and my men don't get killed." <laughs> It's like another great line. Yes. It's just like bang bang. 
ooh, retort. Yeah, it's really good. Like, I imagine the you know actual dialogue written out isn't very long, especially considering how long this film is. But yeah, when they talk, geez, it's impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, poor Jill has to go and attend the funeral for her entire family. That's pretty rough. Yeah, it is. Does she seem to think that Cheyenne is responsible for this? Yeah, because Frank has set it up so that Cheyenne seems... Okay. Because Cheyenne's crew is known for wearing these dusters, and he places, like, duster material ah, okay. at the site so That's that smart. they all think it's Cheyenne. Yeah, very good. So, Harmonica rocks up uh, and beats up Wobbles? Yeah, I didn't catch this guy's name. What is it? Definitely Wobbles. Wobbles. Yeah. Okay. This is the most aggressive that Harmonica has been so far. Yes. Definitely ties his tie through the... The ringer here yeah. chokes him up. He, he was he was expecting Frank at the station. Yeah, yeah. Would it be a different film? But apparently, uh, be a wo- short film. This wobbles guy only arranged the meeting, the venue, the seating. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Harmonica not happy though, but he's got the information he wants. But now we get another Jill scene. She opens the door, and boom, there's Cheyenne. Yep, right there, waiting for her. And honestly, you're sort of expecting. Some aggressive mm-hmm. action here. But he just talks a lot. He's, he's, he's intimidating. He says, I've been framed. He's telling her, I didn't do this. Yeah. I was framed. Is this where she basically says, you can throw me on the table and have everyone like go at me and I'll just take a hot bath and I'll be back to normal? Yeah, call your men. No one ever died of that. I'm like, yeah. pretty sure someone has died of that. Uh, but yeah, like I'll be fine afterwards. And this shows her as a strong, powerful woman. Oh, she's very strong. Cheyenne is very taken aback. He's like, okay. Yeah. All right. But Cheyenne wants to know why. He wants to know why he's someone is trying to frame him for this. And he's looking around the house and the way it's been sort of turned over a bit. And he's like, you're trying to find why as well. Mm. Like, he obviously, they're all thinking there's something hidden here. Uh, but no, they couldn't find anything. But now we meet the, uh, the head of the snake, if you will. Mr. Morton. Mr. Morton. The old cripple evil man. Tuberculosis. Is it? Pretty sure that's what he says. Okay. Yeah, he's the one with all the money, so he's the one in charge. Yeah, basically Frank's working for him because he's getting paid the good money. Yeah, and for, I like this. Frank sits in his chair and Morton's just like, how's it feel behind sitting in the desk? And he's like, like holding a gun and then much more powerful. Exactly. Yeah, really good. And when he when he starts whipping out all the money, he's like, this is more powerful than what you've got. Yep. That just keeps giving him stacks and stacks. Yeah. I like that even though like Frank works for Morton and they've got a reasonable relationship, when Morton opens a drawer, Frank's just like, yeah. quick on the drawer. Like, oh, I'll yep, get you. Yep, just in case. <laughs> uh. Who says this? Is Jill still talking to Cheyenne here? Where Cheyenne's just like, you remind me of my mother. Yes. She, she was, was the whore. biggest whore in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the finest women I ever knew. It's a little backhanded compliment right there. <laughs> wow. You remind me of my mother. The biggest whore in Alabama. <laughs> Yeah, but he leaves and Harmonica shows up. Yes. And he starts getting a bit aggressive here. Yeah, what? Yeah, this this it, stuff. This felt out of character. Yeah, didn't it? Yeah. He rips her clothes off like he's about, oh, not a, he rips the lace part of her dress off. Yeah. Like he's about to have his way with her. Why? I, I don't know. Is he trying to be intimidating? He wants some answers of what's going on? And then he asks for water. Like, I'm like, where? this is a weird scene. Yeah. Like, was Sergio Leone just trying to... Like, keep the audience on edge a bit. Like, who is the actual bad guy here? Yeah. I, mean, I think we've established that Frank is the bad guy here. He just murdered a whole family. And I think it's pretty obvious that Harmonica is a good guy. Yeah. Because he's calm. Yeah, I don't understand this. But he, do, he does kill two of Cheyenne's men. Is it Cheyenne's men? Or is it Frank's? When they come, when they come running down on the horses into the, into the house. Because I think mm. Cheyenne is watching him. Yeah, I, I think it's Frank's. 
Okay. Because he, yeah, because he tells them back to Frank later. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But Jill goes and meet Wobbles now. Wobbles. <laughs> I mean, it better be Wobbles. It's definitely Wobbles. <laughs> uh, yeah, she says that uh, she wants to negotiate with Frank personally. But we're back on the train here with Morton and Frank. And they're having this discussion where Wobbles has gone back. He's like, don't worry, I haven't been followed. Like, you're an idiot. And we see, I love that we see Harmonica just like cruising on top of the train. Yeah, and the fact that Frank notices he's there is great. Yeah. Yeah. Because the train stops and he gets down and that that shot where he just like turns on the back of the train and the gun's in his face. Yeah. It's really good. Real good close up. Great shot. Yeah. And even this bit where Wobbles gets kicked off the train and they're like about to shoot him and he sees Cheyenne's under yeah, the train. That's awesome. So you got Frank in, Harmonica on top and Cheyenne under and this guy's like, oh my God, it, bah, 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 bah. kill him. Yeah. It was good. So what? So the story that's going on here with Morton is they are trying to intimidate Jill to sell her land so they can continue to build the railway. The railway through while they're looking at actually starting up a new town here. Who's looking at Stillwater. it? Stillwater. Who's looking at it? I think Jill is. Yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't know that yet. No, but he's trying so to- So Jill's intim- husband- Yes. Was that's what him. they're looking for, I'm pretty sure. What? Who's looking for? Because you say they were looking for something in this no, place. No, Jill and Cheyenne are looking for something because they think that they were killed for like gold. Because originally oh, you're like, yes, yes, oh, is this a yes. gold story? Yeah. But it's not. It's so much more than that. Yeah. Like this guy- Pa, whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> he he had this like super smart, super long term plan mm-hmm. where he's bought all the tools to build a station, yeah, and like a town and stuff around it. But the rule is you've got to have a station built before the track gets there, yeah. And then he basically owns the whole town, and he knows that it's going to be there because it's the only source of water. In miles. Yeah. It's so clever. I love this plot. This plot's really good. Yeah. And it's and you can even just like if you don't even think about that, you just got this, you know, revenge mission here between Harmonica and Frank that's also here as well as a classic Western shootout yeah. kind of movie. Works very well. It does. So that- Frank heads off to go see Jill. This is where Cheyenne gets involved. Yep. Takes out a couple of the guys. I love when he puts he makes it look like he's hanging off the side of the train with his boot. Yeah. He's got that was gun good. in there. Yeah. That was so good. Yeah. Certainly got me. Yeah, me too. Uh, Shane unties harmonica here, and we sort of this is the beginning of the uh, you know uneasy friendship, if you will, or alliance, frenemies. Sure, <laughs> but now nah, Frank has Jill on the bed now. Apparently, Mrs. Frank, aka Mrs. Fonda, Fonda had to be there. Yeah, yeah, she had to watch, make sure no one got out of line there. Terrible. Good shot though of them. So it looks like they're standing there, talk like looking at each other. Yeah, and, and the camera flips. Back. Yeah, and there that was good. He's on top of her. Uh, she, I mean, she's she behaves so strangely in this scene. Like, I get, like, learning that she's a, a whore, I guess, uh, does explain how she's so good at pretending to like it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, he's he's basically like, I killed your husband, and she's like, starts kissing him passionately. Yeah. Well, she needs to do that to survive. Yeah, for sure. But he's just like, yeah, you're a little tramp. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. Even this line, like, where he's saying, like, he could just marry her and all their problems would be solved. Yep. And she'd meet, she'd make a great wife, but he wouldn't make a good husband. Well, at least he's honest. Yeah, it's good. I must say the, the song choice that's playing here is a bit weird. How so? I mean, it's essentially coming onto a rape scene here and it's this very uh, sort of lovey-dovey sort of music going on. Do they actually have sex here? I mean, but it's implied that they're, he's pushing towards her. Like, it's not it's not a consensual uh, relationship that's going on here and the music is treating it like it's, uh, you know, 
love blossoming here. Hmm. I wonder if many other Leone films have rape scenes in them. Yeah, what is with Leone and making rape scenes look all sensual and okay? Hmm. I think, yeah, it's odd. Definitely odd. But oh well. Oh well. He's dead. Okay. What do you do? <laughs> Well, now we get to the auction now. 320 acres of land. Large area. I love how they're all basically pushing people to not bid higher on this thing so they can buy it at a small price. Yeah. She cannot do anything about it. She's just, she's really, like, she's given in to her, you know, her fate here. She's like, eh, okay. Has she? She, Has she just accepted it now? She's accepted it. You see a look on her face. She's just sitting there like, yep, okay. I kind of don't like that for this character. I wish she had a plan. Like, I wish... That, like, Harmonica and her had already organised a plan together. Have they not? She just seems so broken here. It looks... Yeah, it doesn't look like she's in on this plan that Harmonica and Cheyenne have come up with here. I wish she was. He brings Cheyenne in, gets the ransom money, and uses that to buy the land off of it. Yeah. Which... Do we ever see Cheyenne break out? No, it's just implied that he breaks out from... He's just out. No, no, because uh, when they go to the train, you see, like, all of his crew watching as they go onto the train. Obviously implying that they're going to break him out. Because the next thing you know, he's, he's, at, just Mor- out. he's at Morton's train. Yeah. Yeah. Which we don't find that out until the end of the movie as well. Yeah. Which is weird because I I thought that Morton paid these other goons off. And the fact, when you realize that it's actually Cheyenne who showed up at the train and shot everyone and all that sort of stuff. There's a scene here where he plays poker with these guys. Yeah. He's like, let's play my poker. And he starts basically all just dropping $100 bills in front of him. He's like, oh, how do we play this game? And I thought it was implied that let me go. and you know, you can take all this money. Oh, okay. But the next scene, everyone's shot up and dead. Interesting. Do you not pick up on any of that in the poker game? No. What do you think he was doing? Uh, I don't know. Did you even watch that poker game? Uh, I've written gambling card game with Morton. He's definitely trying to use his money because that's his power. He's trying to pay them off to who let- Morton. But who's he gambling with? The, the Frank's goons who were holding him hostage there. Ah, oh, yeah, he's like, can I, can, he's like, can I play? And they're like, yeah, sure. And he sits down and starts he starts making his pile of hundreds, then makes another pile, like five more piles of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in front of them. Isn't that him paying them to shoot Frank? It, that's what I'm talking about. He's, he's paying them off. But then the next time we see it, everyone is dead. Are you sure that's not a different crew? Is it, that the crew that shows up yeah, at this very instant? Yes. Surely. So who's, all the, who's all the dead bodies in that later on? Just more of his crew. You think it's all the same people? Oh, I don't know. It was a bit confusing. It's not Cheyenne's crew. No, it's not Cheyenne's. Hmm. Does Morton have a crew? No. It's just Frank. Yeah, it's Frank no, and Frank's know. goons. Anyway, we get another situation here, which we didn't actually mention the first one, where Frank asks Harmonica who he is, and he starts giving names of people that he's killed. Yeah. I thought that was good. Have we got any out-of-focus shots of Henry Fonda walking to the camera yet? Uh, I don't know. Should we have? I don't know when they start. It happens a couple of times. Okay. Not too sure when the first one was. Ah, oh, which we then get the reveal yeah. later. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I wonder if it actually happens every time you ask him who he is. Hmm. But no, uh, we get uh, yeah, their little interaction here. Frank offers $5,001. Yes. Make a profit. Why not? <laughs> but Harmonica's onto it. Like, he stands at the saloon door and he eyeballs everyone out there. Like, he knows what's yeah. about to happen. Yeah. And he saves him. Yeah. Because he wants to do it himself. Yeah. It's good. And again, the tension in this in this shot, yeah. this whole scene, yeah. where Frank's just walking along. He know, he he knows something is up here. Like everyone's gone, and the fact he got harmonica who's up in the top watching out, and you see you just see that little bit of a gun just sticking out of the sign at the top. Oh, that's that's really good. That, that. was awesome. Yeah. And then just yeah, the so the, the the creeping forward of Frank walking up to that part, mm. and then no, that's how it is in all these westerns. Like super tension, quiet, quiet. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. But up from here, Frank goes to Morton's train. 
Yes, everyone's dead. Yeah. Except for Morton, who's He's in uh, the mud, can't barely move. Yeah. Dies. What do I mean, Morton? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that he wasn't going to die, like, and Frank was just going to leave him there, like, you can't, you can't even help yourself. This is going to be much more you know, painful death in the long run for you. Thanks. Maybe they want to leave open a possibility for a sequel. <laughs> Morton comes back. <laughs> the revenge of Morton. Maybe they wanted Morton in duck, you sucker. <laughs> He's like, I can't. A fistful of Morton. <laughs> yeah, so they're back at the the upcoming Stillwater town here now. Everyone's uh, just hanging out here, I guess, building the town up. Can I just say, we're flying through this film. This is a really long film, and we don't have to talk about every single long step. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, I'm nearly at the end of my notes. And yeah, me too. When you actually think about the number of scenes in this film, there's not a lot. It's no. just every scene is. Dripping in long sweated tension. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. very surprising. We're at the standoff already. It's a two and a half hour film. I mean, up to this point, there's some points where, yeah, it might have gone on for a little bit long, but I haven't really noticed how long it actually has gone. Nah. And I'm like, yeah, like, I mean, this is this is a good film. I've been enjoying this film a lot. Uh, I wonder what you give this. Anyway, we get the uh, the epic standoff here. White versus black. I love that as well. Nice little touch. The score kicking in here. Like, uh, I've already said I love this score. Better than yeah. Get the Bad the Ugly. Yeah. When it kicks in here and you get that, that classic Western standoff. Yeah. Like you said, you got Frank in the black. You got Harmonica in the white. And he still doesn't know why, who he is and what he's doing. But, you know, this is face-off time. This is what they were leading up to. They've even had that conversation before about, you know, I think it's time for us to, to throw down here, I guess. Mm. I love how Harmonica never loses his gaze. You get Frank who, as he's walking along, he's, st- he's still looking around. Like, he, he takes his eyes off Harmonica, like, because he feels like there's something else going out there. But yeah. Harmonica just does not, like, lose his concentration on Frank, yes. which is fantastic. You just mentioned before that you wonder what I give this movie. I went back and looked at my letterbox. I gave, I gave it four and a half when I watched it the first time. Okay. And as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, like, I'm really enjoying it. I don't know why I gave it four and a half, though, until this, which is my- Excellent! This whole goddamn scene, starting from the flashback, like the the setup of the of the the face off here with the score kicking in was really good. I'm like, all right, this is good. I love love a good western showdown. Yeah, score's working well. But that's not part of your excellent. It's when it goes to the like. It's when it you goes. You love the flashback, eh? And you get the reveal and the and when it get, when the score kicks in again when he stuck when he sticks the harmonica in his mouth and you realize that this is who this is. And, you know, he's got his brother on his shoulders, like, trying to hold him up as he's getting hung. I was confused which one was him. Really? Yeah, I was like, is he the one up there? Is he going to survive? And the other one gets shot. Like, I was thinking, I was thinking maybe Frank kills the one supporting the other guy, like, shoots him and then leaves the guy hanging to die and he doesn't die. No, I knew immediately that this was harmonica because he puts the harmonica in his goddamn mouth. Yeah. And I didn't even realize his brother kicks him away. He doesn't fall. His brother boots him away, like, to save him the pain of, you know, uh, him thinking that he there. did this. Yep. Not just him standing there, but the him no, thinking that he's get tired. <laughs> All right. <laughs> As I was watching, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is my excellent scene. Like, this is really solid. And I, and I left it at that. But, you know, behind the scenes here a little bit, we're recording this a little bit later than what we usually do. I have gone and watched that scene several times on YouTube. Seven since. times? Several times. Wow. A standalone scene I've been watch- I've watched several times because that scene just is still sticking in my head. Can I just say how dumb that is from you? Why? Because you're ruining a further rewatch of this film. Well, how am I ruining it? We're... To- we're- 
we've broken this whole goddamn film. Yeah. I've typed up notes about this. You will watch exactly this film can... again yeah. in, in a decade or so. And I will remember. And you will remember this last scene so bloody well because yes. you've watched it seven times when you didn't need to. No, it's because we have broken this film down, made notes and edited it. I'm not going to forget it like you. Trust me, it means nothing. <laughs> this scene was so good that this is the reason why I put it up an extra half star. What? What? Yeah, I had this at four stars. Oh, okay. I'm pu- like, I go- thought I thought no, you were no, saying no, no, it no, was no. four and a half no, no, and no. you were dropping a five-star banger on us. No, no, no. Just showing your cards this, so this early, Hendo. so good. Everything encapsulated at this point. Cutting straight into harmonica, just fucking shooting Frank down. So good. And his reveal as well, when he jams the harmonica in his mouth, and his last realization of who it actually is to when he dies. It's, god damn, this scene was so fucking good. I said, god damn. I said, god damn. God damn. God damn. <laughs> that no, should be our new I sound job. Not excellent. I said, god damn. <laughs> God damn, god damn. Even the tension of Cheyenne and Jill's in the... Especially when the gunshot goes off. Mm. And Jill's like shocked. And it cuts to Cheyenne. And he cut himself while shaving. Yes. It's like even that even that jolted him. The gunshot. Yes. Okay. Like he, he realized he's cut himself. He's like, oh, what do you know? Cut myself. I mean, this sort of makes no sense. Let's be honest. Why? Cheyenne got shot when he was doing the, the train raid. Yeah. In the stomach. Then went and spoke to Jill for a length of time in no apparent pain. Had a shave. Okay. Talk to Jill some more. Yep. Go and talk to, talk to Harmonica and then just die. He's like, oh, I can't make it anymore. That's not how it works. And the reveal's like, yeah, I got shot back then. I was in that train. He's like, oh, wait. That reveal was a little hokey. Yeah. Because I didn't know what happened to them. I was like, I, how, did, how did Cheyenne get away here? Too? I had to rewind. Yeah. I had to be like, wait, did I did, miss yeah. Cheyenne getting shot here? What did no. you make? Of, what did you make of the conversation he was having with Jill, where she, where he's like, "You're you're a powerful person here now, and you've got a lot of people working for you, but you need to let them slap your ass. Yeah, if they pat you on the back, you just say, just ignore it. Yeah, pretend it didn't happen. Probably like, wouldn't don't hold up. Yeah, in 2021. Yeah, I don't think that's how it goes, Sergio Leone. <laughs> Sergio Leone. Uh... You know, if, you, if you chuck in a rape scene, just pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. That's how, how Ding is a five-star banger for once upon a time in America. Damn straight. <laughs> yeah, but it, it ends up with Jill you know, being the, the woman in charge here. Everyone, the woman. Comes up, everyone comes up to her while she's you know in control. Of this Serving way. them drinks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, Eliani. <laughs> right well, Harmonica rides off into the night. Yes. And that is the end of the film. Any last words? I said a lot about my final thoughts, essentially, when I was talking about my excellent scene just before. I was really sitting at a four-star film before we got to that that very last showdown. Everything about this film is on a is on a very very upstanding level. The sc- like I think the big highlight for me is this is the score. I'm I'm genuinely shocked at how much I love this score. It's just it's still stuck in my head. It is so good. The overriding tension throughout this entire film the long stare downs all of them work Henry Fonda is great as the villain here Charles Bronson is so good as harmonica man that guy can stare through a screen like he's staring at people 50 years later after <laughs> this film and he's still nailing it he's so good yeah that is good Jason Robards is a very well fleshed out somewhat three-dimensional good slash bad guy and he works it really well this this is a fantastic Western film that I give four and a half stars. Yeah, this could be my favorite Western film. 
I mean, we'll find that out pretty soon on our rankings. We have done two pretty, I think the two biggest other Western films already, Unforgiven and The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Yeah, we will find out soon, Hendo. I love this film. And it's one of these films that the more I think about it and the more I've thought about it over the last week or so, the more that it does actually grow in stature in my mind. And hearing you froth over it really does elevate it in my mind again. I'm going to say not to the point of four and a half, though. I'm giving it a strong four stars, Endo. All right, very good. But I think the bigger question is, where is this going to sit on your rankings? I was the best because the crowd loved me. Where's your other Westerns at? So currently, I have The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly at 52 and Unforgiven at 49. Okay. Both four-star films. And I'm going to put it above those. Ooh. So next up above Unforgiven is Fargo. Yeah, let's just keep going here. Fargo, Logan, The Lives of Others, The Green Mile, Harry Potter, and The Deathly Hallows Part 2, Old Boy. I'm going to put it above all of them. And then it hits your name, and I'm going to leave it there. All right. So, Once Upon a Time in the West will be my new number 43. All right. Well, let's do the comparison. Let's do some Western comparisons here. I'm going to start at number 42 here against The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, a film that I did have at five stars before we did our breakdown of, and I dropped it down. I think this is better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly overall, too. Good. Let's shoot up a whole bunch of spots here. Let's shoot up, Hendo. Let's shoot up together. (laughs) Number 37, Unforgiven, is where I have that, the other Western. I think this is better than Unforgiven. Well, there you go. Yep. So, unless there's some other crazy Western I'm not thinking of that I haven't seen yet, this could be. This could very well be the best Western out there. Number thirty six is Prisoners, and this is better than Prisoners. And then we hit number thirty five, Groundhog Day, and this is where it is going to stop. So, Once Upon a Time in the West is my new number thirty six. Fantastic. All right, before we continue, we'd just like to say that this show is brought to you by our awesome patrons who've been supporting the show for coming up to three years now, Dean. Yeah, big shout out to Brad at the Cinema Guys for becoming a new patron. Thanks so much, mate. Thank you very much, Brad. Always a pleasure to get some new patrons on board. We did just release our James Bond episode on You Only Live Twice. Heading through the Bond series, going all the way up to No Time to Die when that finally comes out. We also do patron requested reviews. We have nice little smooth jazz conversations, D&D. We do plenty of content over at Patreon, yeah, don't we, mate? Yeah, we've got lots there. we got lots Hendo. going on over there. Heaps, a huge backlog of episodes here now. I think nearly 120 episodes now going Jesus over Christ. There. Yeah, we've done a lot. And if you're interested in any of that, head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this oh. could be it. Uh, where we let our patrons review the films that we break down. All right, let's start with Luke James Human. Leone's Western epic certainly looks and sounds the part. Visuals are a lot more considered and polished than his earlier films, and we are left in no doubt as to our character's place in time and space. Fonda, Robard, and Brosnan make up an imposing trifecta of hardened cowboys, and Cardinal is captivating. The plot is standard Western stuff, but provides a little in the way of surprise or innovation. The tone is what makes this 160-plus-minute film hard-going. There is virtually no levity within the runtime. The fun of the Dollars trilogy has well and truly gone. Beautiful, but ponderous, three and a half stars. Good review there, Luke. Very good, Luke. Let's head over to Paul at the Film Busters. The story is secondhand to the exquisite dialogue in Once Upon a Time in the West, but the film's biggest achievement is its magnificent score by Ennio Morricone. 
Each musical piece accompanies its characters beautifully and naturally evolves with the story. Wonderful. Next up from a Nerdrovert, an undeniably great opening scene becomes an above average western that feels every minute of its runtime. Three stars. All right, then. We've got another film buster here. We've got Ben says, looks like you shy one horse. No, you bought two too many. A classic from the golden era of cinema. It just couldn't get made today. Not like this. Not like this. Not like this. Its time capsule level of brilliance is what means it'll be relevant and important for decades yet to come. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for your reviews. But of course, we've got... Shane! Once upon a time in the West. You know, I'm always stopping and starting these films I'm watching, especially the long ones. And this becomes more of a five-hour movie for me than two and a half. I thought this actually came before Good and Bad and the Ugly, but no, this is the uh, follow-up to that film. Seems like it should be the other way around. I guess you'd say Sergio took a step back with this film. There's uh, plenty I like about it. The music is probably number one. The film has an intense atmosphere that fills up almost every frame. The characters are good. Not amazing, but um, they're pretty good. I felt like, in spite of the ridiculous runtime, this film should have visited more locations, more settings, more things needed to happen. Uh, I mean, I guess my biggest gripe with this film is how slow it is. The opening scenes, and perhaps even the first hour, are the high point of the movie. After the stuff on the train... The, the film sort of takes a little bit of a nosedive. It just, it just feels so drawn out. Also, when you have, you know, the most powerful and horrific moments of the film, right at the beginning, there's just this need to up that ante that you feel when you're watching it, and it's never even attempted. So this film is not a favourite of mine, and this is my second viewing. I wouldn't have watched it again after the first, but actually I will bump it up. Um, half a star, which makes it to three and a half stars. So not a huge rating, but still um, positive. It, it, it is a it is a quality film. I, I enjoyed in parts. The yeah, the music is what saves it. What brings it up to that other level. Like yeah, it just fully you know immerses you in the story and what's happening. But anyway, that's that's my take. Over to you. All right, Shane. Interesting review. Not one of your favourites. That's okay. No, I mean, I think three and a half is, is pretty good from Shane there. I mean, I've heard better better reviews from him. Yes, definitely. Regardless. Yeah, regardless. Love loved the review, Shane. Thanks, Shane. We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, mate. Let's find out the results of last week's Pod v Pod movie draft results between us and Ben, Adam, and Paul from the Film Busters podcast in our draft on movies where the title is set in the movie. And the Film Busters were team one, and they had Back to the Future, Good Morning Vietnam, As Good As It Gets, Natural Born Killers, and Dolomite Is My Name. And we were team two. We had Saving Private Ryan, Guardians of the Galaxy, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, American History X, and Full Metal Jacket. All right, let's see some responses here. First one from the Movie Drone podcast. Team Movie Journey for me. Back to the Future tipped it away from Team Film Busters. So, so bored of that film. Wow. Steve, calm down. Uh, Jamie Russell says, Team Filmbusters gets a vote for me. The Back to the Future line is so iconic and it's a standout film for me. Tipping that scale. Sorry, Team Movie Journey. Fair enough. All right, Nerd Revert says, Two heavyweight lineups, but my vote goes to Team Movie Journey. 
Cinema Guys says both have good lists, but Team Movie Journey edges out because of American History X. Wow. There you go. There you go. Julio the Contrarian says, I think Mickey Knox only says, I'm a natural born killer, baby, not plural. Bit of a controversy there. It doesn't look like they say natural born killers in the film. It's just a sh- you do we just write it off? That's it? Void? We oh. should we should win by default. I think so. Default. But apparently Julio allows it because he likes team film buster selections better. SWO Productions say, apparently I'm in the slight minority, but I think Team Movie Journey has the vastly superior list. Brother Shane says, Back to the Future and Good Morning Vietnam are iconic lines in the movie. I'm not seeing that so much with any of the other picks, so Team Film Busters. Pointer Comics say, overall list Movie Journey is better, but Back to the Future makes list film busters fire. Mr. Nicholas Haskins from Mr. Nicholas Kitchen says, It's like Team Film Busters didn't even want to win, even though Guardians of the Galaxy sucks. The list is still in a completely different reality from the dismal Team Film Busters. Team Movie Journey for the win. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood says, If the way the title comes up in the dialogue counted for extra points, I'd go with Team Film Busters. But judging only by the quality of the movies themselves, it's Team Movie Journey, no question. Very good. All right, last one here from the Rough House podcast. If I was grading on the actual saying of the title in the film, I'd probably go Team Film Busters, thanks to Christopher Lloyd and Robin Williams. But I'm grading on the films themselves. Sorry, McFly. Team Movie Journey gets my vote. All right, thank you everyone for putting in a response and everyone for putting in a vote because 93 votes later, we win in a big shutout, 58% to 42%, giving us a 5-0 victory in Pod v Pod 47. 5-0? Yeah. It's embarrassing. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, boys. Better luck next time. You tried and you failed. The lesson is... They know what the lesson is. (laughs) (laughs) So, what's next? All right, Hendo, it's your pick for the next film we break down. What's it going to be? Going back to some old black and white, I believe it's 50s Japanese style films here. We're going back to Akira Kurosawa. Haven't done a film of his in a while. I'm picking a film I haven't seen off the list. One of those like 10 films. And going high and low. Mm. Why do I have a feeling like our ratings will be high and low, Hendo? Because you don't like movies. (laughs) (laughs) And I love movies. You like too many movies. You don't like enough. To be fair, the last two like Asian films that we've watched that you haven't seen before was In the Mood for Love and Harakiri. Both were good. Yes. So have a little bit of optimism. Were they the last two? I think there was another... What about that other Japanese samurai one with the different tales? Oh, okay. Movies that ne- both of us haven't seen. That's ah, what I'm going with. Okay. Yeah, you hadn't seen Rashomon. Okay, fair enough. Ugh, Rashomon, Jesus. That was a Kira Kurosawa too. <laughs> yes. Have, have, just have some good expectations, all right? All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you very much, everyone, for checking it out. And we'll see you next week for High and Low. Bye.